1: In every pair of Tacovas boots, you can expect handmade quality, first-wear comfort, and timeless western style. Tacovas boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Takovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles visit tacovus.com that's t e c o v a s.com and don't go gently y'all
0: so there's a reason why I started blood origins and that reason is simple is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting it brings awareness to to non-hunters that A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. So Jay, we're sitting in South Texas. Um, I don't think it's a far misinterpretation that South Texas essentially is buried in your blood.
1: Without question.
0: Express what, if, if I could say South Texas is buried in your blood... Explain that, what that means to you.
1: Without question, South Texas is buried deep in my being and blood. My family arrived here in the mid 1800s uh, and by historical accounts was 1847. We um, have been a part of the land since then. I was brought up hunting by my grandfather. He uh, Ever since I was little, as as long as I can I can remember would take us out and when I say us my brother and I and you know even prior to my my brother's birth um, would take us hunting and you know he started us hunting jackrabbits and then you know we we progressed on to big game and turned for you know your first uh hunt was javelina down here there's there's a great abundance of them so it was always something that's kind of a stepping stone animal into the bigger animals and then we went into whitetails. you know and from then on you know my life has revolved quite a bit or completely around the land and and hunting um you know, I, I, and we've been here so long. I know stories and I've heard stories of my grandfather on and from what he told me and from what others have told me. Uh, my grandfather on various ranches, this ranch, for example, he he spent a lot of time on when uh, when he was a young man and and uh, you know, here we are, you know, seventy years later, or sixty years later, still maintaining the same friendships that we've, uh, or he cultivated and our families have cultivated throughout the years. And the um, hunting that that we used to do, you know, my grandfather is one of the greatest hunters I ever met. Um, and I only know that now after having hunted so much across the world and Really, in in South Texas, I I don't think there was a uh, there was a greater. Um, he uh, he taught me things that that nobody else really did at the time. Um, he was the only person I knew that or that I've witnessed and taught me to do it, and to think out of the box a little bit when we would see a big buck cross a road way up ahead of us. You know, he would he would stay on his binoculars and watch him cross the road and and pick a marker, and then we would get up there, and he'd get out and he would track him. You know, and that's just not something that people in southern Texas did. So I was very blessed to uh, to have him as my mentor in hunting, uh, especially early on. He um, I I learned things that my friends never. Never saw or never got to learn and and uh, and it, interestingly as i as we grew up and got older, my friends would love to go hunting with us because we just did so things so differently and and uh I, like one of my buddies um he uh is a big he loves to predator hunt now, and he learned that through my grandfather and through through me you know and that's you know that's i mean. What it's all about is to pass on what you've learned and what knowledge you've gained or I've gained onto other people to expand it to a greater audience. And so that those people can then teach their little ones, you know, the way of the land thereafter.
0: This land is essentially the land that we're on right now. Is the same land that your grandfather walked. Yes. What does it mean to you to be able to walk in the same footsteps as your grandfather?
1: Um, <clears throat> uh, you know, my, my grandfather was such a huge role model in my life that it's, um, it's a privilege, really, to be anywhere near uh, that he was around or anything that he ever did and to to continue to utilize his knowledge and and uh, put it into into play today you know and especially on ground that 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 he took part in you know is it it's the greatest privilege I could ever I could ever be around think of my grandfather did things differently, and um, it wasn't—it wasn't, it wasn't uh, really what the norm was in hunting at the time. Uh, so he would take us, for example. He would take me. We, we would we would go and and uh, walk a creek bed. And as we were walking a creek bed, we'd have a pa- you know a pair of rattling antlers with me, I, of, which I. I still have them today, and I still utilize them today. It's probably my single greatest uh thing that I have from him um, and we would take a walk a creek bed, pick a spot, and uh he would we would then rattle, so a lot of my memories come from getting off and rattling and not rattling you know from. On the side of a road or into crossways. I mean, we did it also just depending on the situations. But we actually went into the into the wildlife's arena and um, hunted them on foot quite a bit. Um, and and I think his his way of being or his way of thinking, he enjoyed being out and in and amongst the environment and becoming a part of the environment. And, and, um, you know, when you just see things differently, you don't, you don't experience it, you know, driving around a ranch on the roads is one thing. And then the second thing is actually being where they exist and where they live. And it's, it's interesting animals, uh, have a different tolerance of you when you're in that environment because they, they don't expect to see you there. So a lot of times you have these, you have these relationships or or interactions, better said, with wildlife that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And, uh, and you get to see some pretty amazing things. Um, and when I, when I say it's not only what you're hunting, but it's also, you know you may have a raccoon jump out of a tree right in front of you or you know a bobcat sitting in a in a cactus patch right next to you and you, you'd never knew you was there yeah you know, and and you know everybody kind of gets a fright you know. but um i think that's that's what he loved and that's what i've grown to love and that's the way i've kind of molded my my style of of hunting and my, the way I've engineered the way I like to do things and the way I like to experience them because you just see things that you otherwise would have never experienced and um, it really revolves on being on foot and being and putting yourself in a place
0: where the animals exist. You just described everything about hunting that you love mm-hmm. and there was one thing missing. What? You didn't mention killing at all, so I want you to, it's true. so I want you to take that notion, keep going on that conversation, mm-hmm. right? that this thing, this thing that, that your grandfather buried in you about mm-hmm. being outdoors, that to me is hunting. Mm-hmm. This is why I go, this mm-hmm. is the why kind of mm-hmm. thing and bury yourself now into the why. So as I
1: got older, interestingly, at at a very young age, you know, I had already been um, groomed by my grandfather on on hunting, and how to hunt, and how to spend time with the animals, and um, as I, my life changed, essentially, when I was 12 years old, and I read, uh, even though I didn't understand most of it at the time, was I read uh, The Green Hills of Africa by Ernest Hemingway, and um, so... I I was just deeply fascinated with Africa and and uh, by the quantity of wildlife that existed and that any one of us could partake in if if they if they truly desired. So my I started reading. I had an uncle of which uh, he is actually. Uh, he was actually he actually married a lady who um, was part of the the land that we're on right now and his name was uh colonel kiros evan kiros and um and he wasn't really my uncle by blood but he my he and my grandfather were very close and uh, so we called him uncle evan but uncle evan went to africa on multiple safaris and uh, got to see some fantastic things on the, you know, in, in the heyday of, of, of uh, African hunting. He uh, Anyway, he hunted, he did all kinds of things in various countries. Uh, his, his favorite country was uh, Botswana. And that's his professional hunter at the time in Botswana was a gentleman by the name of Joe Coogan, who has written for multiple uh, magazines, TV shows was part of Benelli. He's a very accomplished, very accomplished writer, and uh, and professional hunter. So through the years, you know, I, I I started reading everything I could find about Africa, and it, it didn't matter what it was. It, you know, it was as it was. About the wildlife, primarily it was about hunting. It was the history of it. Anything you can imagine, I read about it. At uh, the age of 17, I, uh, my grandfather, said, put some money away for me to go to, to Africa, uh, and for me to do a plains game hunt in South Africa. So we did it. I went over there by myself with, with another friend from, from town. Um, but I was 17 years old. I would traveled over there alone with them and basically alone and, and, uh, did this hunt and had an absolutely extraordinary time. We hunted, um, some really great country and we were successful. We had, we had a great we had a great trip anyway the uh people that were that I was I was hunting with the company that I was hunting with said and you know you're you're extraordinarily knowledgeable um about the wildlife the history the flora the fauna you know um would you like to stay on with us for the next couple of months of our season you know we'd like to have you around and we think it would be uh you know, good for you, and it would definitely be good for us. So, I mean, called home and called my mom and said, you know, hey, you know, they want me to stay. You know, what do you think? And and my mother knew how much I was in love with with Africa, and my mother was always very supportive of all my endeavors, and and said, uh, absolutely. You know, don't don't come home. That's where you need to be. So that's what I did. I stayed there and all throughout my college, I was traveling uh, in and out to, uh, to South Africa. And, and as time wore on, I, I, I started expanding my horizons and I wanted to go to uh, to, wilder, to wilder lands and, and uh, eventually landed in Mount Botswana. Uh, many years, many years later. So little did I know at the time, I don't think any of us knew at the time, that the experiences I was experiencing for the first time with my grandfather in country that you know people probably hadn't walked in a thousand years, you know, was leading me down a grander path, and that path was to the African continent where I dreamed about, I envisioned my end goal of maybe one day, and I shouldn't say maybe, I was convinced uh, I wanted to become a dangerous game professional hunter. And uh, with enough hard work and vision and uh, pounding on my craft, I eventually, I eventually succeeded in my goal. And the uncomfortableness, being young and, and just these wild environments in my home of South Texas made me comfortable in an uncomfortable place and it's so far removed from our civilization on this side of the world that it was the rock that held me in place and that kept me moving forward inch by inch. And in that, I got to experience and see things that that I wish the world would would have the privilege of seeing and experiencing and being around the animals the way I was around them. And with that, I ended up in exactly where I wanted to be with the professional hunters I wanted to be surrounded by and in and amongst uh the animals that i had read and loved so much without ever having seen them i would have never had the experiences that i've lived and experienced if it wasn't for hunting the people that i've come to to meet from across the world some of which have shaped my life. Um, like working with local people and wild people and wild places has instilled in me a very different view of of the world and where it is we live and how it is <clears throat> we see things. I, um, I mean, I just. You know the animals that, that I've been around, the experiences that I've, I've remembered, and and if it wasn't for hunting, I would have never, ever seen any of it. You know, I would have never had bull elephants at six yards towering over me. Uh, I would have never had lions, you know, roaring next to my can, my my tent at night, and. Uh, fighting with hyenas over a buffalo they killed in camp. Um, I would have never been in a random creek bed in South Texas and rattled up a buck with my grandfather that literally jumped over the top of me. I mean, I just, if it wasn't for hunting, I would have never been put in those situations. And and, uh, with my life, revolving around land and wildlife. um, I couldn't have asked for a greater way or a greater avenue to be in and amongst the animals.
0: I want you to say that deep dive, I want you that you have now avoided, which is a lot of people think hunting is X. Mm-hmm. But hunting is actually
1: why. Why? it's why? Yeah, a good one. Why, why? Yeah, we can work with Go that. Go ahead. Well, I think it was Robert Roark who put it best. And, you know, being the writer that he was and, you know, I mean, a wordsmith of note. He said, if you were to compare hunting to the breakdown of a sentence. The hunt would be the sentence, the body. The kill is the dot at the end, a clean, neat dot at the end. And that's what the kill is, in and amongst the experiences of a whole. And a lot of people you know, see it as barbaric as as something not of modern day uh, society. And listen, I'm 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 the first person that'll tell you I think anybody should believe and do whatever it is they want to do with their lives. I mean, if, you know, who am I to judge anyone? But I th- I, I I would if somebody were to have an in-depth conversation with me. They may not like it, and that's fine. Everybody's, everybody's allowed to have an opinion, and believe in whatever they want to believe. But I think they would, uh, uh, many people would, once they learned on, on how it works, you know, would then come to the realization that there's a lot more to it. Than just simply killing an animal, it, it, it doesn't work that way. I think when they would see the breakdown, okay, I'm gonna and I'm gonna use Africa. I can I can tell it how it works in South Texas. I can tell how it works in Africa, but I think I'll use Africa because it's the people are still very much in wild in wild places. The people are still very much a part. Of the system that we all, as hunters, and just people of wildlife in general, long to be a part of, and the people are the ones that get the most benefit. I mean, you we, we take an animal, whatever it may be, a, a buffalo or whatever, and a hunter has paid an an. A huge amount of money in order to be a part of the system, part of the predator-prey system, and from there, that buffalo, the the hunter takes the buffalo for himself. Then the money goes to you know money that he's paid goes to paying camp salaries, goes to uh, goes to the people, the village in which that land, uh, that land belongs to. And then from there, they get all the meat on top of it. And in a place, in a place where meat is worth more than currency or, or any amount of money, You have completely gone into the system of being part of that area and of that area, that that hole. I mean, you're 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 part of it all. You're part of the the hunt, the the predator. You're part of you're part of the predator prey. You know, meat scenario where people now who have absolutely nothing will now be able to feed their children feed themselves and what it does is it stops poaching and I think that's what we all long for is to have an existence with wildlife and that existence will only happen if it's not poached to death by hungry people. And if they can gain a revenue, if they can gain meat um, on top of everything else, I mean, I mean, a lot of these companies, they they drill water wells, they plant their crops, they uh teach them about HIV and AIDS and, and and I can go on a list on and on and on and as to what hunters provide and pay for when they go and take those trips overseas and go to experience wild land with wild animals and wild people. Awesome Jeff. My name is Jay Leindecker. I'm a South Texan, conservationist, and professional hunter. Everyone has their own story. This is mine. It's in the blood.
0: Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.